Well, we are going to turn to God's Word to read and hear it proclaimed. Uh, our passage this morning is over printed out on page 3 of your, of your bulletin. It's from Romans chapter 12. <coughs> this is the culmination this day, the culmination of, of the process of training and uh, installing new, new officers. Uh, but we've, we've kind of matched it up with a sermon series on, on the church and the servants of the church. It's also the, the culminating study in Scripture. And we're going to use this passage in Romans 12 as we think together about God's call to Christian service uh, for, for officers, yes, Rob and John, but really for all of us. What does that look like? Where does the strength come from? Well, uh, well, the Apostle Paul, through the Holy Spirit, will give us encouragement. So let's read from Romans 12, verses 1 to 8, uh, the very word of God. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, uh, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Let's pray. Lord, we do pray that you would use your word, that you would, through your spirit, cause us to be strengthened, encouraged, directed, all for your glory and the good of your church, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So, if the Apostle Paul were here this morning, what would he say to us? What would, he, what would he have for Emmanuel Church? Paul, welcome. We're so glad you're here. Uh, come up and say a few words. Uh, say a few words to our new officers. Encourage them, Paul. Uh, tell them what they need to know. What would Paul say if he came forward? What would Paul, through the Holy Spirit, right? So it's the very word of God. What would Paul say on a day on a day like this. I think Romans 12, 1 to 8, is a good place to start. Clearly, Paul's talking about the church. He uses his favorite image for the church, a body. Uh, he's talking about different parts, different gifts, different roles within the church. He even mentions the very work that we call Robin John 2. Uh, right? It, it's, it's there in, in the text. Right? Verse 7, uh, if serving in our serving... That's the word deacon. You could, you could translate that, if you are gifted to deacon, 
in our deaconing. There it is. Uh, or verse 8, something of the work that deacons actually do, speaking of acts of mercy. Or uh, earlier in verse 8, the one who leads. It sounds like a Roman elder. Uh, so clearly, uh, Paul is thinking about individuals uh, called to works like this, like, like Rob, like John. Uh, but as, as we see and look carefully, Paul is not just talking to a couple of isolated individuals. Uh, as he speaks to you, he's not talking to you and you, he's talking to you. You believers in Rome, through the Holy Spirit, you believers in Emmanuel, all of us, parts of the body, gifted, equipped according to the grace given to us, all called to serve uh, the Lord and the Lord's church. So how would he encourage our two new officers, but how would he encourage all of us? In our service of God. Well, I think he would give us four points, or at least we could break it down into four key points this morning. And again, try to think how this might apply and encourage you. First, the fuel of Christian service. Uh, the fuel. What, what drives and motivates us to serve the Lord and serve his church? Well, here we look at the, uh, the opening of verse 1. Here's how Paul introduces the passage. He says... I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. You might know that this is a key transition in the book of Romans. Uh, Paul's language from here out sounds very, very different than what it did in the first 11 chapters. In the first 11 chapters of the book of Romans, Paul did not utter uh, maybe one command. Virtually no commands are given in chapters 1 to 11. He gives us virtually nothing to do. Instead, uh, for 11 chapters, tells us what God has done. Right? 11 chapters, not of what we're to do, but what God has done for us. Uh, you could go back to chapter 1, where he talks about God making a way of salvation, the power uh, of God in the gospel. That's chapter 1. Uh, or, or chapter 3, how God sent his son to bear the wrath so that sinners can be forgiven and just. That's chapter 3. Uh, or God making us uh, forgiven, righteous in Christ, simply through faith as a free gift. Chapter 3, chapter 4. God making peace with us through his son. Chapter 5. God uniting us to Christ. So that we, are, uh, we have died with him and been raised up to newness of life with him. No longer slaves to sin. Chapter 6. Chapter, uh, chapter 8. We're children of God by faith. We're heirs of all the riches of God in Christ. Uh, given the Holy Spirit to encourage us along the way. Chapter 8. You start to get the picture. All God has done for us. All undeserved all his mercy to us, all a free gift, but not what you do for him, but what he has done for you, believers. Uh, and then, and only then, as we get to chapter 12, does Paul make the transition to start talking about things that we do. He's going to mention a lot of them uh, as chapter 12 and 13 and 14 go on. He's going to give us a lot of things to do, but the order is critical. Uh, in fact, he even reflects it in his language, in his transition language, right? What is it there in verse 1? 
I appeal to you, therefore, right? In light of all that I've said. Uh, and then he adds, by the mercies of God. Do you see it? Do you see what, what drives and fuels and motivates Christian service, the things that we do? Uh, it's, uh, it's our response. It's, our, it's the overflow of what God has done for us. It starts with him and his love and his grace. Right? All those things that God has done for us that we mentioned. The free gift of salvation. The, the full security and love we have in Christ. Uh, that is what fuels those mercies of God that, that so fills us. It overflows that we want uh, to serve him. We want others to know about this good news. We want others to be built up and we want to serve and magnify this uh, this God. Uh, this is uh, this is what Christian service is about. This is actually what makes Christian service Christian. It, it comes out of not what we do, but what God has done for us in Christ. That's the starting point. Which, by the way, uh, if you if you are hearing me go through that list of all the things that God has done for us, uh, and you've never really never really processed that, never really. Uh, grabbed a hold of that by faith and accepted it uh, and given your heart as this is your only hope, that's the place to start. Uh, don't start with you doing things. Start with realizing and bowing before what Christ has done for you. Uh, uh, that's, that's what you need first and foremost. Uh, you need the salvation, uh, the lordship, uh, the rescue of the King of Kings. Uh, read chapters 1 to 11. But if you know Christ... Uh, then realize, yes, you're called to serve. Uh, but it's serving that's a therefore serving. Uh, it's a serving that's by the mercies of God. Uh, it's fueled, not by, not by guilt. I better, uh, I, better, I better do this because, you know, if I don't, then I'll feel really, really, really bad. No. Or, or uh, motivated by fear. Uh, if I don't do this, then bad things are going to happen. No. But it's, it's fueled by, therefore, it's fueled by the, by the mercies of God. By the overwhelming love and service and security that we have in Christ. That just bubbles up and flows over. And so this helps us, for example, in moments when we don't feel very motivated to serve. Those times come, don't they? They come, to, they come to church officers. They come to everyday believers. Times when service in the church just feels hard, uh, when it feels discouraging. Uh, Rob, John, you better believe there are moments will come when you'll ask yourself, why am I doing this? Uh, maybe you, as a just everyday believer, sometimes ask, you think about your service in the church, whatever God has you doing, you're thinking, why am I doing this again? Maybe because it just feels hard. Maybe it feels discouraging. Maybe you're not seeing any any good things come from it. Apparently, for your from your perspective, well, that's where you go back to Romans twelve one. You go back to the real fuel, the real motivation. It's God and His gospel love for you. Uh, greet that discouragement as an opportunity, right? That discouraging moment, that question, "Why am I doing this?" That's an opportunity. That's an opportunity for you to remind yourself of really what's the, the foundation, the basics. No, you can tell yourself, I'm not doing this for applause. 
know you can remind yourself, I'm not doing this so that others will appreciate it. Uh, know you can tell yourself, I'm not doing this even because I, I hope to see immediate quick fruit from it. I'm doing this because of God and his overwhelming love for me. Lord, I believe that. Help my unbelief. The fuel of Christian service. The mercies of God. Very closely related then, the goal of Christian service. In other words, what are we hoping to do, achieve? Well, we keep taking the rest of verse 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. What's the, what's the goal of our service in the church? Whatever it is, elder, deacon, Sunday school teacher, piano player, Christmas decorator, a Christian friend who encourages and greets and builds up and prays with another and calls someone up when they're having a hard time and listens carefully. All those things are critical uh, uh, work in the church, and we could go on. But what's the goal of any of that? Well, it's not us trying to pay God back. That doesn't fit with the mercies of God, right? God has done all this for us. I better pay him back quick. No. Uh, or even uh, or even this. Our motivation, first and foremost, is not to achieve something, make something happen. Right? I'm going to do this because the church will grow or another Christian will be built up. Well, we hope that happens, and often God uses it. But sometimes we can work and work and work and don't see much coming from it. Uh, above all, uh, the, the goal, the motivation is we want to worship God. We want to see him glorified. Uh, right? We want to see his goodness magnified. Right? Notice how, how Paul even paints a picture here. He says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice. He calls it a spiritual act of worship. Now, Paul's original Roman readers would have had very vivid pictures attached to this. A little different than us, but they would have actually seen sacrifices, physical sacrifices. Whether it was Jews who had been to the temple in Jerusalem and seen, uh, seen Jewish worship, or whether it was Gentiles who grew up with pagan worship uh, at all the different Roman temples, they would have known sacrifice, like animal, brought to the altar, placed on the altar, sacrifice. Uh, they had a real physical image to it. And here Paul says, okay, take that image, and Paul says, that's you. You're, you're a living sacrifice to God. Uh, that, is, that, is what, uh, that is who you are and what your life is to be about. Uh, that your life is to be placed up on that altar, given to God, not as a sacrifice for sin. Right, that's what Jesus does. Paul's explained that. Uh, right, we don't offer ourselves up to kind of pay for our sin. That's the sacrifice of Jesus. That's done. No more needs to be paid. But there are also sacrifices of praise, sacrifices of worship uh, that just focus on glorifying God. That's the that's us. Uh, that's the living sacrifice that we are to be. Uh, that with our very lives we reflect the glory of God. Uh, we shine forth his goodness. And Paul says, that's you. 
that's your life. Uh, he calls it a living sacrifice, which would be different than the sacrifices they would have seen, where the animal always dies. Uh, no, this sacrifice doesn't kill you, it's actually life. Now, it's, it's actually life that you already have. Uh, after all, what has Paul already said about us in Romans 6, but that we are those who are alive in Christ. We've already been made alive in him. And so in that newness of life, uh, we spend our whole, our whole of our days as a, as a sacrifice of praise to him, uh, of worship to him. Uh, it's, it's not a one-time thing, right? That would be for the animal, uh, right? Only gets to do it once, right? Dead and no more. Uh, but for a living sacrifice, well, it keeps on going. Yeah, that's us. It's not picking out kind of an isolated moment. This is my moment to serve the Lord. No, a living sacrifice is one that keeps on going. And that's us. Our, the whole of our being, the whole of our lives are to be given up, uh, placed, lived on that altar uh, as an act of, of worship to the Lord. Now, of course, we don't do that perfectly. Now, of course, we need the Lord's strength, uh, right? It's all those gospel truths that he said in chapters 1 to 11. Uh, it's by his grace, it's by his strength, it's the Holy Spirit helping us. But here's the call to Christian service. Live as a, as a living sacrifice. And you get then what the goal is. What are we striving for in our, in our serving, right? Paul's going to be talking uh, towards the end of our passage about all these different parts of the body, all these different gifts, right? You're going to have deacons that are be deaconing and, and leaders that are going to be leading and you know, givers that are going to be giving generously, like, and on we could go. What, what's, what fuels, what's the context for all that Christian service? It's the context of verse 1. It's the context of living sacrifice. That, where the goal is, that God would be glorified, that God would be worshipped. Um, and so, if you find yourself in places in the midst of serving the Lord, you find yourself in places that just seem hard, right? That seem discouraging. Uh, that seem like uh, I'm doing stuff, but it seems like anything's coming from it. Again, you can remember these words of Paul. If if God is worshipped, if His goodness is being reflected, uh, even imperfectly in you uh, by by the strength of the Spirit, then that, by very definition, is a success. The goal of our service is that God would be glorified. Third, then, Paul encourages uh, us in our service uh, to have humility of a Christian servant. The humility of a Christian servant. So let's go to verse 3. <clears throat> there he says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to to the measure of faith that God has assigned. So here we run into what is really the greatest danger for any Christian servant. An officer in the church, most definitely, but really any uh, one who seeks to serve the Lord. Right? A calling we say is for all of us, all believers. The greatest danger is not from out there. The greatest danger is from in here. Paul describes it as thinking of yourself more highly than you are. Pride. 
Right? It's, it's the very sin uh, that brought, that brought the, the ugliness and death into the world in the first place. Go back to the garden, pride. Go through every other big sin that you see in Scripture and little sin. Where does it ultimately start? Uh, what's the seabed? Pride. There's the greatest danger to Christian leaders, to Christian servants. Uh, an exalted sense of self, beginning to think of yourself more highly uh, than you ought. It can show up in a whole bunch of different ways. Uh, it always leads to, to ugly, poisonous fruit, but it can pop up and begin to surface in all sorts of different ways. Um, maybe there's the Christian leader in the church who begins to slowly think of himself as irreplaceable, right? Everything, or at least my thing, it would all fall apart if I wasn't here. I, I got to do this because apart from me, it would be disaster. I'm irreplaceable. Hmm. Thinking of yourself more highly than you ought? Uh, or maybe it shows up in uh, someone who's, who wants to serve Christ and you see other needs out there. Maybe it's another Christian who's, who's struggling. Or maybe it's another church Who's, that's struggling. Uh, and you see that, and you immediately think, I know what the problem is. If that individual, if that church, if they would just do A, B, and C, they wouldn't be in that mess. And it just so happens to be that A, B, and C is exactly what you're doing? Hmm. Maybe you're beginning to think of yourself more highly. Uh, how about the Christian servant who's never wrong? Right? I have many faults, but being wrong is not one of them. <laughs> right? So if someone brings a criticism, if someone brings a different point of view, if someone brings an a, a, a even mild critique, well, clearly if being wrong yourself isn't on the table because that doesn't happen. So clearly the thing to do would be to critique them. To show them why they're wrong, uh, why they're misplaced, why they need to back it up. <laughs> mm. Thinking of yourself more highly than you are. An exalted sense of self. Paul's solution that he gives uh, here is to think with sober judgment. Sober judgment. So the, the problem then is a kind of drunken judgment. Right? An intoxicated judgment of yourself. Right? When you're, when you're intoxicated, uh, you're thinking, you're just not thinking clearly. Uh, you're thinking in extremes that just aren't true. Uh, and that's really what pride is. It's a kind of intoxicated picture of yourself. So Paul says, think as so as to have sober judgment. Right? So clearly that means you're not at the top. Flawless. Perfect, having all the answers, irreplaceable. At the same time, you realize what Paul's solution uh, doesn't uh, include, which is, he, he's not saying, go to the opposite extreme. And some Christians fall into this trap. They think that the solution to pride is this kind of extreme self-deprecation. Oh, I'm nothing. I, have, I really have nothing substantial to add. Uh, if I got involved, it just mess it all up, and, you know, I'm... I am most definitely unessential here. Right? Sometimes we can think that way. Um, that's not sober judgment either. Right? You, you look at what Paul's been setting up here. 
uh, it's it's that it's that Christians. Well, let's let's think about it. Let's think about uh, how he has set it up just in Romans one to eleven, uh, in who we are. Well, yes, he said we are sinners, incapable of saving ourselves. So we shouldn't be surprised. We should assume that we're gonna we're gonna still be wrong and still need still have growing to do. But he also says that we're alive in Christ and full of the Spirit as children of God. Uh, so though we still have major struggles, uh, there is newness of life in us. He's going to go on uh, towards the end of our passage to talk about substantial roles and gifts that the Spirit gives. And so there's the, there's the sober judgment. Uh, it's, it's, not, it's not an exalted sense of self. I don't need anybody. I don't need God. No, clearly it's the mercies of God show us that apart from God, we would be nothing. But it's also not an extreme uh, false humility or extreme self-deprecation. I got nothing to offer. Well, Paul says that God makes us parts of the body, uh, parts that are parts that are essential. Think about that even image of the body. That's a really great way uh, to think of yourself with sober judgment when it comes to Christian service. Uh, the the body image verses four and five really gives gives that idea of, of what sober judgment looks like, uh, right? So Paul says, for we are one body, uh, for as in one body we have many members, the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, right? So he, here's the sober judgment that the body picture has gives us, right? A physical body, the church is like a physical body, Right? A physical body, no part can claim, uh, if everybody was just like me, we'd be great. No, if you're thinking about a physical body, you, that would be a disaster. If everyone was just like you, I mean, the whole body is like a hand, or the whole body is just ears, that's a mess, right? So we don't want to all be like you. Uh, so uh, it takes us, it gives us sober judgment. But at the same time, the body image shows us that the different parts are still essential, right? No part of the body can say, I'm not really needed, or I got nothing. Uh, well, in Christ, right, the gifts are, are by the Spirit. They're not something we work up, but God gives. In Christ, every part of the body is important, right? You get rid of a part of your body, something's not going to work right. Uh, and so the body itself gives us this image for, for what sober judgment looks like. And there's part of the, there's part of the, the tempering uh, that, that needs to happen in Christian service. Not an exalted sense of self, but also not downplaying the gifts uh, that God really gives. So think about that for yourself. For our new church officers, uh, don't think of yourself as irreplaceable and never wrong, but don't also downplay the gifts that God has given. He's given you for a reason, and he's put them here so that the body can benefit. And the same for you. Uh, uh, realize uh, that God has given gifts, and the call is to use them, uh, and not because not because you're you're the best thing since sliced bread. Uh, you're not the Holy Spirit. You're not Christ. Uh, but in Him, uh, God uses us, uh, and all as parts of the body. And you can ask yourself, okay, what does that look like? And trust that God will give you wisdom, which is actually a great transition into into our final point. What I'm calling here the the shape of Christian service. It's the transition to, okay, now we're doing it. Now we're serving. Here's verses 6 to 8. Uh, look just, for example, at the first part of verse 6. 
Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. So Paul says, okay, let's use our gifts. We're all set up. We're ready to work. Right? This is the, where the logical flowing out of the first couple verses. Right? Fueled by the mercies of God in Christ. Desiring that God would be glorified in, 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 our, in us and through us with this sober judgment uh, that God's going to use us but not have, not have a, an exalted sense of, of self, that flows right into, okay, now I'm ready to actually serve. Uh, and that's what, he, that's what Paul says. Let's use them. He goes into a, 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 a list of different examples of gifts and, and functions within the body. Like, like, all the lift, like all the lists of gifts in Scripture, this one is not meant to be exhaustive. It's not a catalog. It's a sample. So if you look at this list and you don't see anything that looks like you, uh, that doesn't mean you're not gifted. This is just a for instance. Um, but some of the for instances can be helpful. For example, like the ones to our, our new church officers, elder deacon gifts. Like we said, they're right here. Um, uh, verse 8, the one who leads with zeal. Uh, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Uh, use those gifts. Use them diligently. Use them faithfully. Uh, it could be also that, that Paul individually tailors the encouragement to what, uh, what could be some obstacles or pitfalls. Um, I appreciate what one commentator says, that maybe, maybe, they're, maybe they're specifically arranged. So, okay, the one who leads, they'll need to lead with zeal. Because it could be tempting. A leader being out in front sometimes doesn't have as many people looking over their shoulder. Uh, it could be tempting to get a little lazy or complacent. or, uh, or So there's got to be leading with zeal. Uh, or one who does acts of mercy. The near need for cheerfulness. If you're involved in ministry of mercy, you see a lot of hard things. A lot of dark things. Things that don't necessarily change quickly. Uh, you could get cynical. Uh, you could you could despair. Why bother? Uh, and so, do acts of mercy with cheerfulness uh, that comes from the Lord and His Word. So, these important Holy Spirit uh, exhortations to John and to Rob use those gifts with zeal, with cheerfulness. Um, but, but for all of us, really, uh, what what kinds of roles does God have for you in this in this particular season of life? Uh, you as a particular person, it's not going to look like the person next to you. That's on purpose. Uh, but whatever it is, think zeal and cheerfulness and diligence. Again, all flowing out of where uh, where Paul has begun. Uh, right? So Christian service, that's what we're talking about. Christian service, whether it's John, Rob, you guys are called. But, but every other believer here, you're called too. The, the you is all of us uh, in the church. Uh, the you is to serve according to your gifts, according to this season of life, and the opportunities and energies and possibilities that God in his providence has opened before you. Uh, it's going to look different, but he calls us all to serve. How do we do that? Uh, what does that look like? The core of it is the same for all of us. Uh, it's, it's fueled by the mercies of God. Uh, it's fueled by that sense of God's goodness to us and his salvation to us, thankfulness and excitement to, to see that overflow uh, through us. The goal is to glorify God. 
Uh, to be that spiritual uh, act of worship, that spiritual sacrifice to the Lord with our, our very lives. Uh, it's, it's tempered by a proper humility in Christ, uh, to have that sober judgment according to God's word about who we are and who we're not. Um, and all of it then going towards serving with zeal, serving with cheerfulness, uh, with diligence and, and joy. And we trust as God works through the body, the body will be built up and God will be glorified. Uh, it's his call. Uh, we follow our Savior, who is the ultimate servant. He'll give us the strength, and we look to him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you, in your mercies, have, have rescued us, and in that same mercy, uh, you've chosen to, to use us as your, your hands and feet in the world. Uh, we pray that you would strengthen, uh, Lord, our new officers this morning, by each of us, for the, the callings that you have set before us, uh, guarding us, uh, our minds, our hearts, uh, Lord, and being pleased to use us for your glory. Lord, we do ask it in Jesus' name.